so shameless, you guys. Like how it's funny now because it's ridiculous, but I don't know. Um, literally my high school yearbook there, I'll have to send you a picture. There is an excerpt where we all did, you know, senior quotes or whatever. And it's like what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And most people are like, I don't know, get married and have kids or like go do something that doesn't happen. I don't know. And literally the last line of my yearbook says, move to Texas to plan events. Call me to plan your wedding. Hey, this is Damani Daniel, Chief Imaginator at The Event Nerd. And this is Byron Sanders, President and CEO of Big Thought. Welcome to Casually Creative, conversations about everyday creativity and nerdiness. What's going on, folks? This is Damani Daniel, Chief Imaginator at the Event Nerd. Byron Sanders, President and CEO of Big Thought. We are here for another pretty awesome episode of Casually Creative. And I say that every time, and it's true, because I I used to hate on TV when the host would be like, oh, we've got another great episode for you. And then it wasn't, but we have been bringing straight fire for, what, 31 episodes now. Hot fur. Hot fur. fur. Yeah. Uh, we we have set out with the vision of helping people understand that creativity doesn't look like any one thing. And we have absolutely loved this journey. Today's guest is a friend of mine. Well, they're all, they're, they all, everybody becomes friends, but Molly and I have been friends. Off for friends, yeah. For, yeah, we've been friends for a, for a good minute. Uh, over a decade, we just did the math, over a decade. And we are in this uh, this Dallas events industry, which is an industry that my mother still doesn't fully understand uh, what I do, but she gets to come to really cool things, and so she's golden. But please welcome to this podcast, Molly Rasmussen. Hello, Molly. Hello. How are you guys? I'm excited to be here. Molly, what's good? Looks like you're in an office. <laughs> I am in my office, yes. Uh, we moved back in pretty recently, actually, so here we are trying to do all this from the office and not get COVID, I guess. You sound really excited about it. <laughs> I actually already had COVID in June and so did my assistant. So oh. the odds are decent that we won't get it, but I was tired of being in my house cooped That's up fair. and trying to do laundry, even though I didn't need to do laundry. It was, <laughs> I'm not meant to work from home. I'm not one of those people. So yeah. I'm very happy to be back. Well, you got red gold running through your veins now. That red gold. Yeah, it just that's I'd say it just means that um on the culling you'll be the first that they harvest. That's, that's, <laughs> right, right. You you're just extremely valuable. Your antibodies are are worth uh millions. Millions. Yeah, it's true. If, it's true. If, if only that was true. So as I mentioned, Molly and I met many years ago when we were young pups and puppets in the Dallas events industry. Puppets? Go, no, no, like well, sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Pup puppets. But I get it. Ed. No, no. Yeah, that's literally how it's spelled, though. I just, just want you to <laughs> <know>. <laughs> um, and at the time, you've been you've done a lot of things in the events industry, from catering to doing to working under event planners to really running your own event planning agency now. But before we even get into that, let's back up a little bit. Let's let's not talk about Molly, the now event producer. Let's talk about Molly a long time ago because. Word on the street is that you have always wanted to be doing the thing that you're doing right now, which doesn't happen often. Right. Yeah, that's true. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't really know how all of this came about, if I'm being honest with you, because I grew up in a very small Michigan town. I graduated in a class of like 300. It was very conservative. I, um, I'm an only child, but I was always super involved. I wanted to do all of the things all the time. And if you know me now, you know that I've built a career on kind of doing all the things all the time and maybe not saying no enough, if you will. But, you know, in high school, I twirled baton and was in the color guard. And that was always kind of a fun creative outlet for me through dance and various things and have always kind of been a natural leader and stepping up to the plate when things needed to get done and um, was our student council high school president. So where, where I really fell in love with events was 
planning like prom and homecoming and all of mm-hmm. these things that had so many moving parts and also were design oriented or gave me some sort of creative outlet. So whether it was DIY crafting, right, as a 14 year old or putting together a, a little timeline for the poor venue manager that probably thought I was crazy at 17, you know, looking back on it now, it's funny, but it probably wasn't for whoever was on the receiving end of those emails. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's really where I fell in love with it. And I really started researching colleges where I could go to school for hospitality to be in the hotel and events industry. And and was that, was that a major at that time? Because I know I sound super old when I say this, but like the idea of going to school for event planning at the time in my day wasn't a thing. So was that, uh, was it, were there a lot of schools that were doing that or nah? Just barely. I was really on the cusp of kind of the beginning of that. I mean, I graduated from high school in 2007, so I'm 32 now. And there were probably a handful of schools in the country, maybe five to seven that had programs specifically designed for that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you were pretty much looking at a business degree of some kind or marketing or, you know, whatever. So it, it was very niche and not many people even knew especially growing up in Michigan in a small town where there's not big business and a lot of um, financial resources necessarily to be able to throw large parties, whether it's corporate, social, weddings, whatever. I didn't grow up in that scene, much like some of my Dallas clients now have like, that's the norm for them. Yeah. Um, so being an event planner was like kind of a joke, to be honest. And I always kind of set out to do it, but just got really lucky with finding the right opportunities along the way and taking them kind of as they came. So, so you chose an industry that was an, uh, an avowed joke from whence <laughs> you've come. Uh, what gave you the confidence to be like, yeah, I'm a clown and I love it. <laughs> right. Oh uh, man. I'm glad I'm not an actual clown. Cause that is a job <laughs> in the event industry. If you know anybody, but it's uh... true. Also real quick. I just want to throw this in there. Um, there's really creepy it music playing outside of my window. And I recognize that it's almost Halloween, but if it's not playing only because it's Halloween and I don't make it, thank you. Thank you all. It was I nice knowing you. you. You said thank you. That's a, that's a strange way to sign off, but that's cool. I want people to know that I left with gratitude. You left with gratitude. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Cool. Sorry. I just wanted to put that on tape uh, in the middle of the podcast in case a red balloon floats by my window. Yeah. So like, like, but seriously, like for real, Molly, like, why did you, why were you so confidently like, yes, I want to do this thing that nobody really either knows about or might respect. Like even put it in your yearbook, right? Like, I didn't, did, I right? Did. didn't you, isn't that the word? Like, to Austin for my spring break and really enjoyed myself, maybe a little overindulgent on uh, the cocktails at 18. It was a really good time. Turn <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I turned up over spring break and, um, I was already accepted to Michigan State. I was enrolled. I had a roommate. I had all these things. And I was going to go into their hospitality program. So we're really only like Florida State, I think, had a program. Michigan did. North Texas had one. And maybe one or two other smaller business schools had like an actual or UNLV did also in Vegas. Okay. Um, but there was only a handful of schools, really. And I, I came home from Texas and just having a blast and basically told my parents, I said, look, I hate the snow. I hate Michigan. I'm moving. I hope you're cool with that. And my father told me, um, you get this much money towards your college education. So use it however you want. And it was actually the same amount of money to pay out of state at North Texas as it was to pay in state at Michigan. (laughs) So they were like, okay, I guess we can work with you. That was like his last at Jeopard of like, no, this isn't going to work out because he thought it was going to be incredibly expensive. And yeah. then I was like, oh, but this school is, you know, not like Ivy League by any means. So, but I applied literally for hospitality management at North Texas in like April of my senior year and got in within like three weeks and moved. That was it. I was done. I was a Texas girl and I've never looked wow. back and I hate the snow. So I'm very glad I'm not in Michigan and today's weather in Dallas makes me miserable. Not going to yeah, lie. That's, that's <laughs> you're like, this is not what I came here for. Exactly. Yeah. Wait, wait, you're, you're, you're saying you're suggesting that, that the weather today in Dallas is, is too adjacent to the Michigan situation. Well, yeah, this is like kind of a Michigan summer uh, spring, if you will. Not oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
But I mean, but, it's, uh, it's I like almost like November snow. though. Yeah, but I, I don't do snow. I don't do rain. I don't. If it's not seventy-five, I hate it. <laughs> You're just a mad person most of the year. It's just like, <laughs> no. why is this weather not perfect? I need a personal weather machine. Exactly. If only it's that easy. No, she. You would. It, <clears throat> you. You really need storm in your life. Is basically what we're saying. Like that mm-hmm. needs to be your oh, friend. That's fair. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. Okay, so so you you always know that you want to do this, so, and then you you go to school to actually do it. And then you get out of school and you start doing it. Still loving it. Still enjoying the whole events experience. Like and and. What's keeping you motivated? Because right out of school, again, to, to Byron's point, this isn't an industry that a lot of people, A, know about, and B, uh, stay with because it gets difficult. So how did you, yeah. right out of school, keep that going? It does get really difficult, unfortunately. And this year has been no shortage of that being, a you know, the pandemic and movements and everything that's happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in college, I interned for a wedding planner that we did a bunch of NBA and NFL athlete weddings. So I was there for about two and a half years and then out of college, went to work for a venue, which is where Damani and I got to be even better friends, really, um, and was there for five and a half. Um, we did, I was director of catering and did about 150 events a year between catering, sales, lighting, you know, full installs, a little bit of everything. So I really enjoyed that aspect of getting to learn the back of the house side of things. And Mm -hmm. if you're in this industry, you know that a lot of what we do is honestly a lot of smoke and mirrors. And if you're not in this industry, it's our job to make you look good with those smoke and mirrors. So I think the progression of how, how things have evolved essentially from my career experience and now owning my own business. um, One, I, I don't work well for other people. Uh, I, I'm sorry to all my past bosses that although I'm very much a go-getter, um, I like to do it on my terms a little bit and that didn't yeah. always pan out. Um, so, you know, but staying motivated has actually been easy. I would say in the last, I've owned my company for five years. So it's been easy because the growth model and the rate of our industry growth has been exponential in the last five years. You know, we went from, to Damani's point, not even having hospitality management schools for this, this career path or this industry as the hospitality sector, restaurants, hotels, whatever events to now being, you know, a crazy pre-pandemic industry full of opportunities and um, really one of the biggest growth sectors, truly, I think um, with how much it's exploded and, most of that being that the opportunities kind of are endless because on the corporate end, that's growing and clients are spending money and they have products to promote and they have new clients to reach and social media has made it easier than ever to promote and to do things, but it has to still be experiential based and exciting for the consumer, whether it's social or corporate. And, you know, the, the motivation to be there has been very easy over the years because there's, we've been on this growth trajectory that hasn't ended until this year where a pandemic just like stopped everybody in their tracks and said, hold a minute, let's reevaluate this. And here's, you know, another hoop to jump through. So, so explain that, right. Uh, For somebody who's not, um, you know, initiated into the industry. Right. And, and, you know, I'm just going about living my life. Why is it booming? And we've always had products to sell. Why has it been growing, you know, up until this year, of course, What's been the driving force behind all that momentum? I mean, I would definitely attribute some of it to just economic growth that everybody has been experiencing okay. in general, you know, from companies to whatever, but also part of it being it's it's easier than ever to start and maintain a business now um, because marketing resources are free or can be free if you utilize mm-hmm. them, right? Between Instagram and Facebook and just various platforms, Google, like whatever, um, word of mouth obviously is huge, but you know, all the traditional routes of how a, maybe a company would have launched a product or gotten the word out about their, you know, whatever mm-hmm. years ago is completely changed. And a b- good chunk of that is this like 
need to be involved, right? On yeah. the consumer side of like, you want to see and be seen, whether you're an yeah. Instagram influencer, a celebrity, or just like a normal person, because there's this like fear of missing out on anything in life because of what social media has done for us. Mm. And I think in turn, it's caused a lot more companies to to spend more money on investing in in-person events and experiential activations and things around the globe. And on the wedding side, on personal, it's created this keeping up with the Joneses, if you will, um, mentality that now your wedding is broadcast to everybody, whether they were invited or not. And wow. you see your friends from high school getting married. You see your, um, you know, people you went to college with. And even though the economic differences are very different from family to family and company to company, there's this need to like show off a little bit that has okay. in turn led to our growth as an industry of like just trying to keep up with the demand really. What, um, as you're <clears throat> figuring out, you know, everybody wants to be seen, everybody wants to be known, but people need to be seen or people need to be known in different ways. Right. And so that, that's what you have. So you have to approach each client differently. Obviously each bride is different. Each corporate client is different. Where do you start when you're approaching how to help someone be seen, be known, be recognized, but doing it differently than the last person you did the same thing for. What's that process look like for you? Yeah. A lot of it is just core goals of what the clients, not the, not the goal for the individual event, but the, the core goals and core values that they have as a company or a family. What, what is it that you believe in? How do you entertain? What makes you tick of like, why are we even doing this in the first place? Because if the answer is to spend money to, to spend money and hope that it works, then like we're doing this for the wrong reason. Yeah. So, you know, where, where can we go with that? And what's the, what's the big picture? Like this product launch or this wedding is one step in a, the grand scheme of a company's lifespan or of a client's life. So where does this event fit into that timeline and not just focus on that one day, right? Like it is super important, obviously to execute well and have this, overall plan for it. But if it's not a direct reflection of who you are, why are we doing it at all? Yeah. And that I think is where I struggle the most in the wedding industry and the events industry in general with, with other companies or with other people in our, in, in our market and other markets and whatever that because the industry has grown so much and it has led to a lot of financial growth for smaller businesses and whatnot, yeah. they've taken away some of the authenticity of the individual clients and I hate it. Like that's the part that I don't like. And I feel like where we fit into to our market, both locally and nationally is to remind people that it's okay to be different and it's okay mm -hmm. to be authentic to you. And it's okay to go against the grain, even though that's not what your 10 other friends and your 10, you know, coworkers before you did. What's the most, uh, different or unique experience that you guys have been a part of uh, creating? Can you talk about it? You say it's okay to be different. What's the most different that you think that you guys have been a part of? Oh man. Well, unfortunately the most different thing that we will have been a part of producing hasn't happened yet. Thanks to COVID. Ooh. So that's a bummer, but once it does happen next year, it'll be pretty epic. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I think my answer is different on the corporate and on the wedding sector because, you know, we serve a little bit of everybody, um, you know, kind of our thing is just creative, creative detailing on events that in inspire, whether that's personally or whether that's to consumers with businesses, but um, that's kind of our thing. So it doesn't really matter to me what the client is. I think a lot of people get hung up on these weddings or weddings and you have to be a wedding planner and you know, corporate is different, but at the end of the day, like if you're in this business and this is what you do, like you're a project manager for any of these big events and just managing all of this. So you don't have to be one thing yeah. unless, you know, unless you want to be, you be from being bored. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, on the, on the corporate sector, one of the most fun things we've been a part of, we did two sales conferences in 2017 and 18, a three traveling show, um, it worked with a AV company out of Canada, which really kind of changed my perspective on smaller events too, and how we operate those. Because we did 2,000 people, full day, three or three full days, 
um, in three different cities across uh, two in the U.S., one in Canada. And we did a different theme for them every year, and it was always related to some sort of sales growth. So if you know me, you know that I love a good theme. So developing that language and the scripting that went with it and, you know, just the same delivery of the message across the event was really fun to be a part of. Um, And then on the wedding end, I think, you know, one of the most memorable social events that we've done uh, was a wedding last, well, last year. I don't even know what year it is anymore, y'all. 2019. Oh, it's 2020. It's 2020. It's 2018. It's unfortunately 2020. With 2019, we did Wedding at the Ritz. The client came to me. They own 21 McDonald's stores. And they were like, we want something beautiful, but we want it to be wow factor. And the dad was like, I don't care what it is, but it has to be epic. So we came up with this idea to do uh, four like really big head tables around the room. And it was about 300 people, really mini dance floor in the middle of the room, which was not large enough for a dance floor for Mm. 300. And we put these violinists and singers on boxes around the whole room. So it was 360 from no matter where you were. And they essentially were the centerpieces at this wedding, the people. And obviously they were dripping in flowers and all this other bullshit too that you normally have at weddings. But um, the concept of it was really that we would have this dinner and a show kind of experience that wasn't your traditional, like, let's just sit down, have dinner, and then have a band later. And even though we did have a band and we did have dancing at an after party, um, the client met at a a Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville concert. Nice. And I I said to them, I said, do you trust me to to do something cool with this? We're going to have a Margaritaville themed after party and I'm going to script this so that your dad tells the story. So the the dad's intro was like kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, this was a dinner and a show and it was a little bit different and like, thank you for being here. And then we had draped off half of or a portion of the room for that Margaritaville party. And then right before everybody was like, what the hell's going on? Where's the dance floor? We don't understand this wedding is so poorly planned. Like it was this whole drama, right? Cause all these people are used to things the way right. they're used yeah, to yeah. them. And um, so he got up at the end of dinner and told the story about how they met. And it was basically, you know, would now like to invite you into our version of Margaritaville tonight. And then the drape dropped and, everybody decided to get over the fact that there was an actual real dance floor in the other side of the room. So that was nice. That's cool. Was Jimmy um, Buffett there? Was Jimmy Buffett there? Oh, man, I, I was wish. Just, man, I was waiting they, for that They part. out at some point. I was waiting. <laughs> no, we did not have Jimmy Buffett. The Hamburglar showed up. He delivered Dope. late night happy meals at that camp. Yo. I guess that, yeah. yeah, I guess if you own 21 McDonald's, you can get there. Although I, I will say, if you own 21 McDonald's, why did the Hamburglar show up? Why didn't Ronald himself? That's what I want to know. The The real story is that there is only two Ronald McDonald's in the entire country. Two people who are legally allowed to be Ronald McDonald. Um, and his appearance fee is actually pretty high. Like high? So even if, uh, I don't know the full number because they never disclosed it. But, I mean, we spent a pretty penny on this event and they wouldn't spend it on Ronald. Wow. So, so, <laughs> so, see, so how much yeah, was that? Rabble, rabble. How much was that? Oh, Hamburglar was like free 99 because he lived in Dallas. So that is just a costume that you put on somebody and it's okay. But on Ronald, it has to be a specific person, specific. There are rules for the branding of Ronald. So here's my question, though. I hear that there are rules. And and I'm not saying that you're a McDonald's expert, but you're the closest thing to one that that we have. (laughs) You're right here. You're on this podcast. Right. You're here. Uh, So here's why that doesn't work for me, because I've been to McDonald's all over the country. Uh, over the years and I have seen people in those McDonald's dressed up as Mm -hmm. Ronald I've also seen Ronald at his house the Ronald McDonald house and I don't think it was one of those two because there'd be like three or four in a day so what I'm saying is how strictly are they sticking to this is it like Mickey Mouse where Mickey there are some rules for Disney World and Mickey yeah I think that it is Stuck to enough to not put owning twenty one franchises. Look, in that's fair. That's yeah. legit. Because I'm like, because I, I know a dude in the in my in in the hood who for sure dressed up as, as <laughs> and so. let's be real. But that was probably off the record. And enforcement would be a problem, right? Like if I decided to go and get a Ronald McDonald outfit right now, 
uh, go out straight white face and then paint my lips red. And I'm out there <laughs> dancing with a red fro. What are they, they going to do? What what they gonna get grimace? Grimace gonna come in as a strong arm. Be like, hey, hey, Maybe. fam. Let me see your yeah, papers. Yeah, no, I think it's more like this client. The dad was like, I'm not doing anything to piss that. off corporate that's, because that. he ain't gonna mess with his paper. Real, He's not gonna mess with his. Real, it's real difficult to transition right. from McDonald's to Burger King. I get it. It's really tough. exactly. Yeah, yeah and you it. you in too deep if you got yeah. twenty one. So no, you're gonna you're gonna protect the brand. Matter of fact, he's probably the uh, Ronald right. Gestapo. Like real talk, he's, he's probably you know, <laughs> or he's one of the two Ronalds. That just hasn't let him know, like <laughs> That's what he's, he's like. Listen, like, I don't like I don't roll out of bed for less than twenty G's. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, twenty right. G's. Yeah. Come on, that's not that's, that's not a real appearance fee, bro. That's what I'm saying. That's not he's not gonna get. He literally won't Ronald, get out of Ronald bed. McDonald. He won't get out of his bed for less than twenty thousand dollars. I what I want to know is like, do the rules for Ronald are they the same as like I was saying the rules for for Mickey? So if you ever if you're doing an event, I don't know if you know this, Byron, but if you're doing an event uh, at, at a Disney property and you want Mickey to appear at your event, yeah, let's be clear, this is a person, one of several people. Dressed in a Mickey suit. I am full, it's not actually. It's Mickey. not actually it's the not, cartoon. Got it. Just want to clarify yeah. that. But if you want this Mickey, and I'm putting hard air quotes on this, to show up, there are so many rules attached to Mickey coming onto your stage. Really? Did you know that, Byron? No, I didn't. I was unaware. Yeah. So, like for example, if you have Mickey at your wedding, Mickey will come to your reception, but not your ceremony, because he does not ascribe to a particular set of beliefs. And or exactly. Also, mm-hmm. if you have Mickey at your corporate event, this has nothing to do with the podcast. But no, whatever. this is really Actually, important. That, this I'll, is show really... I'll show you. Why. I'll show you. I know because we're going to a place. So if you, if you uh, have Mickey at your corporate event and you invite Mickey on stage, Mickey can silently welcome everyone. But what Mickey can never do is give you an award because why would Mickey be giving you an award in his house? Like there are rules on rules. There are actual file cabinets. It does does Mickey have rules. like a scroll? My, my favorite thing about being in the events industry is that we are really just a bunch of useless facts walking That's around. True. Of like, who cares that Mickey has all these? Lots rules? of people who, care. Who cares that like there's two Ronald McDonalds in the yeah. country? Like this shit. This is the shit that we do, love literally, it. and I have to it. care about. Yeah. I'm, I will catch myself a few times a year being like, did I just yeah. say that? <laughs> or did I, did I just ask someone to quote me on a unicorn that mm-hmm. it's a thing. serves pizza? I mean, that happened I actually bet, too. I but, bet. Um, I was about to say, this sounds like a very distinct moment that, yeah. Okay, so one of the things, so I do bring up the Disney thing, and that was a really, really super awkward segue, but I'm going to go with it. Um, so one of the things that I, that you and I have like jived over is the Imagineering uh, documentary on Dis- the series on Disney Plus. Um, anyone who has worked with me on a project, uh, this is a buddy of mine, Augustine, who's worked with me on a couple of projects. He mocks me because he's like, are you going to quote something about Disney? Yes, I am. But here's why. I, prior to that series, so it's on Disney Plus, it's the Imagineering story, I think is what it's called, but it chronicles the history of Imagineering from the very first Imagineers all the way up until today or whenever today was and they filmed it. Um, but I was not a Disney fan. I saw the movies. I saw the movies. You know, I did whatever. I went to the park, but I didn't like going to the park when I went because it was like two years ago. Whatever. I, I wasn't a huge fan. I thought that they were overpriced. Don't you can't see Byron's face, but the the this, the disdain that he's got for me right now is is you actually might be able to you sense might be that a, like you. It, it's palpable enough. You you could probably feel the heaviness of my disdain. That's fair. Right? I mean, it's it's whatever. It's fine. I wasn't a huge Disney fan. I liked what they stood for. I was also more Looney Tunes than Disney. But then I saw mm-hmm. this. Makes sense. Why why do you judge me so much, bro? I, I just uh, nobody says that in Molly. 2020. <laughs> I'm more loony you know what people, than than Disney. Come on, fam. They they lost the war. Like it's it's. I like, understand. My kids I understand know they lost the all war. the Disney, and I showed them a picture of Porky Pig, and they're like, "I'm not, I'm not familiar." Like, I said beep beep, and they're like, yeah. "Car? 
I don't know. Toot. And they said toot toot. They're well, like, you know? they're like, what do you, what uh, do you want? I was like, you know, road runner. They're like, I, I don't know what you're talking. Okay, about. I understand. I understand that in the culture war, that, that they have lost the culture war. I get they that. They did. I, I, I understand that. That does not make me appreciate them any less. Because you know who else technically lost the culture war? Who? Animaniacs, and they're fucking fired. They, you know, there's a new season. My husband and I were talking about Animaniacs the other day because it's actually a very educational platform educational. for children. Like, I literally learned my states and my state capitals from yeah, the Animaniacs. They, that's, no shit. And I'm like, what happened to this? What happened yeah, to this? You talking about like Yakko's song that he would... Yeah, no, I get it. I remember. Mm-hmm. It. I remember. Istanbul, Constantinople. Istanbul, Constantinople. <laughs> Come on. And, Come and, on. And, and they made a ton of political references. I don't know if y'all you remember all of those. Yes. Like present, yes. current, and history. Like yeah. you could... Ne- nobody got these jokes as children. But if you go back and watch no. it now, you're like, no. oh, oh. The jokes in that were not for... I was about to say, I was like... One, is this one bit that they do with Prince that just was not for kids? It was not, not kid friendly stuff. Not at all. So so anyway, yeah. so my point is just because something lost the culture war doesn't mean that it is irrelevant. And I don't appreciate the insinuation that it is, but Okay. 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 Sorry. Okay. So anyway, there's this really great the documentary series about the Imagineers and how they approach and take on challenges and problems and honestly not even challenges and problems because it'd be one thing to say hey here's a problem let's figure out how to solve it they were like creating problems and then saying so we've created this problem because we have this park now how do we solve for it and i know that that's been a lot of the things that you've been kind of passionate about is that series and some of the things that you've learned from it what did that do for you why did you connect with that series so much yeah, I think that one in one of the episodes, and I'm not sure which episode it is, the um, like one of the taglines is basically something to the extent of the blending of creative imagination with technical know-how is what Imagineering was founded on and like what their purpose, their mission is essentially. And when I heard that, I very much related to it and was like, this is events, like this is event production at a certain level, right? That you're taking these problems and these challenges and you have to find creative solutions or you're coming up with design ideas and creative, interesting aesthetics, different interactive exhibits, whatever those items may be. And then you have to figure out a way to make it work within whatever parameters you've been given, whether that's space parameters, budget parameters. There's a million different things that apply to events the same way that it does Imagineering. And I think that one thing that's really fun and ironic about you appreciating Disney more now is so much like a good event, right? When it's executed well, when it's planned out correctly, that it looks effortless to people who are there and to people who are experiencing that. But really on the back end, there was a ton of work that went in. There was a ton of research. There was a ton of failed ideas that made it what it was when everyone else got to mm-hmm. experience it. There was over budget, there was under budget, there was all this other stuff that went into planning that. And Disney is very much that same thing that to the eye, it's this incredible fantasy world that functions well, that is profitable, that is this staple of American culture, maybe not as much as Looney Tunes, according to Damani, but you know. Um. They are the be- Looney Tunes is the bedrock from which Disney has sprung. Not actually accurate either. Uh, but, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's okay, fine. go ahead. It's fine. Keep going though. Go off. But you know, you, it's really the same in events that it, we make it look easy for our clients so that it can run smoothly so that people appreciate the brand so that people are like, wow, this, this happened or this, whatever, but really like somebody is running around behind the scenes, just like they are behind in the casting sections of Disney, like with their hair on fire and like missing a shoe, trying to figure out how the hell to get from point A to point B and make sure that no one else realizes what's happening. Basically. Um, My favorite Disney fact that I read that I got from that, uh, from that series was in Animal Kingdom. And I've never been to Animal Kingdom. Okay, okay let's be okay. clear. 
Yeah. But in Animal Kingdom, there's this one spot where the lions always stand majestically. They just like they stand above the t- the cars below mm-hmm. and they're peering down upon them. And it's just regal and majestic lions doing lion things. Right. Here's what's interesting about it. Okay. First of all, they put the that rock at an elevated level so that when we took the shot, the sun was in the shot so you can get that hero shot. Okay. But the question is, how do you get the lion to stand there? That's a that's a that's a good no. question. Like what what do you do? No. What they did inside the rock, let's call it Pride Rock as if it were the lion. Okay. Here. Inside of that rock is an air conditioner. Makes sense. So it's hot out. Is and the lion's like, like yo, it's hot. This yeah. is cool. <laughs> right. And so this is that to me is just brilliant because what it does is it really helps people understand to get desired outcomes. Sometimes you have to take steps that don't necessarily make sense. Like why the fuck are you giving a lion a damn air conditioner? It's a great because question. you want someone because you want someone but, to take a picture. And so you're preparing yeah. for you're preparing for the picture, not for the lion. The lion getting air conditioning is a byproduct. Yeah. Yes, I think that's very much how I design rooms, not with air conditioners and lions, although tell me, um, (laughs) um, is with the end in mind. And I think that that is a derivative of a lot of horrible photos that have come back from events of portfolio work that I'm like, man, this was killer if you were there, but then the product that you get is like, what the fuck happened? This is not channeling the, the feels. Yeah. It doesn't evoke the same emotion in the photo or the video that it did when you were there. And that is a problem. So you have to almost reverse engineer the whole process to say, like, what is the end product? And for a wedding, the end product is the only thing you keep. It's your photos and your video. And really, you don't even look at that video half the time. So it's your photo. I haven't looked at my wedding Um, video in uh, I've been married for eight years in seven years. Exactly. We probably should. It's uh, also on a DVD, and I don't own a DVD. I was about to say it's it, it's probably. I was about to say the medium probably has something to do with that. Like it's probably not easily true. accessible. <laughs> so you really have to to do that to reverse engineer it. So to go back to the wedding, right? Of you know the singers on boxes yeah. and all this. The the room shot was beautiful because we designed it a certain way. So that's great. But the logistics of doing that is like. I have people ask me sometimes, they're like, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, you have to spend like 30K in AV to make it happen because if you have microphones in front of speakers and you're in a circle, you like you have feedback and you can't make that happen. So for me, the Imagineering thing and what Damani and I were really talking about was you really truly in event production, you are blending these creative ideas with technical production. And to me, you can't sell a client on a concept without knowing Mm. how to do both. Or having the right team to figure out how to do yeah. both. Um, and a lot of that is experience-based, 100%, that you can't just come in and, you know, do all the things. And I've definitely worked up to that in what we've done, too. But that's what really gets me out of bed in the every day is what I can do differently that someone will let me push the envelope on and how I can solve the problems that go along with that. Because, you know, I, I really started out as someone who was just like very detail oriented and on top of it. And like in my life and in my career, I'm just one of those people that just get shit done. Like end of story. I feel like a lot of people talk about getting shit done, but they don't actually do anything. And I am the opposite of that. Like I am maybe to a detriment some days, but applying that within the creative side of things that I've explored and really dug into to flex that muscle even more has been really fun to kind of marry the two together. That's actually what I was going to ask you. I was like, you know, um, a lot of times people who consider themselves like the executor don't call themselves creative. Right. And matter of fact, uh, some of them go so far as to say, you know what, I need to, I need to get, I need to get like a creative person on my team. Cause I'm not, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you, right. why do you square yourself and put your feet solidly in both of those circles? Like what's, what's going on? Where's that come from? I think I put my, yeah. I mean, I think I put myself solidly in both circles because I work really hard. I'm, I'm really good at one and I work really uh, hard at the other. And it's been a lot. Uh, I think this whole business and really anything that you do in life has to be this 
constant search of education and growth and involvement. And that can look like a lot of different things. For me, it's been adding team members and being a better employer and being, um, you know, better in that category over the years. Some of it has been learning when it's time to let people go and move on from things. And on the creative end for me, I think the way that I was raised in the events industry and Damani, I'm interested to see if you relate to this is it was very, um, very narrow vision of this is how we've always done things. This is how they should be done because we were trained one way. This is how it is. And when I kind of stepped back and went, man, I could produce bigger, better events, whatever, or like streamline my process better to make my life, my client's life easier. And I didn't just go with whatever the fuck I had known before. It changed, it changed my world. And it it did the same thing for the creative process too, that I went, why are we doing things the same? Why, why do you walk into a ballroom every Saturday? Like, okay, if there's 15 weddings in Dallas on a Saturday night, why can you walk into 15 different venues and 10 of them look the exact same in a different color palette? That is a problem. That is not a direct reflection of the client. Again, that is my own personal opinion. So hi, I I know there's a lot of- I also agree with that opinion though. It just is what it is. And I, my, my turning point, honestly, for me was I was at a conference last summer, 2019, uh, Engage Luxury Event Summit. And as my first Engage, some people, you know, eat, sleep, die by it. I was like, I don't know what this is all about. It's really expensive. I feel like I don't really fit into this luxury sector. I'm not really sure what's happening. And I was sitting in the audience and we had produced these, those big sales conferences I was talking about. And we'd produced some really good weddings that I was really proud of. And, you know, the one that I had. So I was like, there is a place for me here. And basically the messaging was something to the extent of like, you're getting out of your business, what you're putting out there. So if you're putting out for me, I was putting out like what Dallas wanted. They wanted classic and beautiful and whatever, but I was miserable, to be honest with you, producing same old, same old, over and over. every weekend. And I changed our messaging and I changed our branding. And ever since then, it's just been this constant. And I didn't know if it was going to work. Like literally, I haven't, I still am trying to figure that out. I mean, so far it's doing okay. So I'm not that worried about it. But, Um, but I'm very honest with people, clients and new consults, whether they're here for a mitzvah, whether they're here for a wedding or whether they're here for, you know, a brand launch or corporate something, what we do is not what you're used to. And you have to be okay with trusting the process. to let us push that envelope. And if you don't, then we're not the company for you. And and, and recognizing that that's okay, that not everybody is for everyone. And then letting go of clients and clients letting go of you is, is okay. You don't have to be the right fit for everyone. Just like like, you're you're married. You don't have to be the right wife for everyone. You have to be the right wife for your husband. He has to be the right husband for you, period. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the, the creative process is very much that too, right? Like it's, it's different every time. And I love clients who, who trust us to, to do that for them because that's when we get the best outcome is when there's this, this trust between the two of us that I'm going to listen to who they are. And I'm not just going to produce the, the wedding that I want to produce. Cause what's like, was, where's the investment for that for me? I could, I could care less. I already got married. Like I already have a company. Like I don't, I have no vested interest in making your event specific to anyone other than you. And that's why you should hire us or whatever. But the, the, what's, what's the most frustrating on the creative side is when you just have people that say they want that, but then they don't really. And then you're stuck in this love hate relationship of we're trying to get better. We're trying to get better together. We're trying to make something more of this. And they're just like, "Mm, but that's not how last year we did it at last year's event or whatever. And you're like, okay, no, I mean, I think I think what you said about, you know, you walk into ballrooms back when we walked into ballrooms and they all look pretty much the same. You know, one of the things that I'm realizing from the event side is that we're in this unique position right now where there's a reset. Right. Byron, and I, you and I have talked about this, this idea of this of, of the reset and what we do with that is going to be telling. Yeah. But even in the events industry, uh, there are people who are waiting for events to, quote, come back. And I'm like, but why? There are things that we did in the events industry that don't necessarily align with the things that we were trying to accomplish as an events industry. What I mean by that is, for example, the continual model of sage on a stage, right? You put a person on a stage to talk at people, 
right, Byron, at your 30th, at y'all's 30th anniversary, you went on stage and I say this, no shade, but you talked at people. I did. Right. You, 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 you said, Hey people, I'm Byron. We need things at a wedding. It's, Hey people, I'm the bride or the groom or the groom's dad or the bride. I mean, you're making me sound real basic. I had some dope words. Okay. <laughs> it was actually really motivating and inspiring. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I felt okay. touched in my heart. Of you did. Yeah. And others did, did too. Cause they did actually did. give us some money. So I think, I think Damani's point though with it is not about what the message is. Oh no, no, no. I fully understand the point. And also, and also you're disrespecting the words that I talked at people. Okay. So I want you to just respect (laughs) at at least respect the words. Don't be like I mean I respect the words. I think you're an orator. I think you are a fantastic orator. And you use words really, really well. I am so honored to know you and thank you so much for being a friend. And yada yada yada. Anyway, as I was saying, the point being, we are in this unique, I hate you so much, Byron. Uh, We are in this unique position to really reimagine what it means to produce events. What does it mean to have CEOs and executive directors on stage delivering messages? Do they have to be on a stage? Do they have to be in front of an audience? What does that look like? And I think some of the creative retelling that has to exist now is it doesn't have to look like it has always looked. Just because there was always a 60 by 40 stage for your CEO to stand on doesn't mean that there has to always be a 60 by 40 stage. So what are you seeing? Like, And, and A, do you agree with that? And if you don't, let's chat. B, what are you doing to either push people towards or away from that, depending on where you land in the hole? Do you believe in that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely believe it's our, it's our turn to ima- reimagine what the live events look and feel like, not only from like an in-person standpoint, right? Like obviously a lot of things are virtual right now. So um, that is just something that's needed in order to accommodate the climate. But when this does come back, it is going to come back in full force and it is going to be rough for all of those people who said, let me just wait, let me just wait and see. And then when things come back, I'm going to do things the same way I always did them. Cause that's what worked for yeah. me. But yeah. in the meantime, you've got a handful of people like you and myself who I've done a complete rebrand that has been a 180 from where we are. We have completely revamped the internal process of who does what, where, why, and how, because I'm never going to have this time back again in my life. And time is more precious than anything else, truly, and how we use it and and what we do with that and who who we delegate those tasks to or, or what their success rate is out of them. So I agree with you that, you know, the the messaging to Byron's point is what matters, but how you deliver that message can come in a variety of forms and doesn't have to come the way that we're used to seeing it. And I think that the people that are going to come on, out on the other side of this are the people that are making those changes now to realize not to change because our clients want us to change, but to change because it's time that we as an industry push the envelope and move it forward. You've been late and for a long time. Yeah, it's been ready for a long time. And I, you know, what's so interesting to me about this business and going back to the fact that God knows how I wanted to get into it very early in my career. But Damani, you've been in the business for a very long time since you were young. Also. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no, no. That, that's well, true. Since he was young. <laughs> she she, she, back she literally then. was like, you, Damani, back in, uh, you have been uh, in this industry for quite some time. <clears throat> From back when you were so young. old I'm, ass, I'm so offended. old ass. You've been doing this for quite some time. Please tell us uh, back when you were young. What was it like right. back in those exactly. days? What was it like? No, my point is, is like there's this hand, very small handful of people who come from knowing the really old way of doing things. The people who came before us, who are either I, I like to call them the classics. They're like yeah. the top of the business, but they're like a little on the way out because yeah. they're getting older. Yeah. You know, I get list their names but i won't uh, because it would be (laughs) they are the patriarchs and matriarchs of this industry they absolutely are but my point is is that the way that they've taught us to do things is not necessarily the way we need to keep doing them and there's this there's this hybrid of people like you and i and that that pool is very small damani of people who know that way and learned it and respect it and that will be a foundation moving forward almost like your parents and grandparents and family heritage and then there's this new wave of people because the industry has grown so yeah. much 
that are like bright eyed and bushy tailed right out of college and are like, I just want to produce pretty things and I want to make a lot of money. And you're like, okay, bitch, slow down. You need to gain some experience before you do fucking anything in this business because Get it's, it is a difficult business to be in. Well, internship, yeah, but like, you know, and then this is not a knock at people who like, you know, did their own events and then became an event planner. That's fine. But like no, not, there's a growth knocking it. I'll knock it. There's a growth model to that though. Like you can start a business from having that passion as your side, but you don't get to come straight out into luxury from well, doing Nipsey that. Nipsey Hustle said clients. Like you don't no, Nipsey Hustle said don't skip steps. I mean, period. Correct. Right? You don't Absolutely. skip steps. That's that, that, that's the reality. I mean, there's this mentality. I mean, that's my biggest. That, I will knock the yeah. people that that do their that graduate from college, do their wedding, and then they're a wedding planner. I'm like, no, do, uh, doing your own wedding does not a wedding planner make. Uh, doing excuse your- me, excuse me. I just planned a wedding, and I believe <laughs> that I am now credentialed. So I think you should just back up off me, okay? Because I thought about another so, wedding after I did mine. That's two. You thought about I got two. <laughs> And then he was like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. No, but you know, there's this, there's this hybrid of people that are kind of in the middle of like, I identify with the younger end of the business because I've, I'm only 32, but I've been around for 12 or 13 years to know some shit that's gone on and how we got to where we got to. And there's a lot of turnover in the events industry yep. because this business is not for everyone. It's long hours, it's weekends, it's networking at night. It's if you're not a drinker, just get out now. I'm just going to tell you. And it's, it's just a, it, it is a lot. Like it is a fucking lot. And if you love it, you love it. And if you don't, eh, you know, like, sorry about you. Yeah. Sorry about you a little bit and not in a bad way, but like know your strengths and weaknesses. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately during a pandemic, I mean, this is like literally what I was meant to do. So like, I'm here for it one way or the other, and I'm going to come out on the other side and I know you will too. Um, But I think that the creative process and how we reimagine what all of this looks like in two, three, four years, we're laying that groundwork now. And we have to. Because our future depends on it, truly. Like the future of our businesses, the future of our employees, and how we want other people, clients who come into this this world to hire us for things to respect us. Because there is this sort of taboo, like, well, why am I hiring an event planner or a producer or whatever when I can do it myself? And I have this executive assistant or I have this, you know, I, my wife doesn't work so she can plan this event. And you're like, okay, all of those things are true. But what is your expectation for that? And what's event? the story? And how you're telling? Are they and what's the story? Absolutely. Because I mean, yeah, just because, yeah, yeah. It, it it is not just it is not just it is not just checking off things on a checklist. Yeah. It is checking right. off things on a checklist, but, not but it is not just just. Yeah. Um, yep. Be yeah. Both. So Molly, one of the things we like to ask people in the questionnaire that we send out to people is, have you ever tried to define creativity? And if so, how would you? Um, you said to me. Creativity is the endless search to be authentic and constantly question status quo. Parenthetical note, which is 100% subjective to whoever's creating or whomever we're serving. Uh, Unpack that a little bit for me, especially this whole, the endless search to be authentic and constantly question status quo. That's good. I think think that it's just that, that we can't... We can't change the way we do things or that we see the world or, you know anything right like we have an election coming up next next week dear god and all these things that we we can't make changes to these if we continue to do things the way that we do them and um what's the saying my dad always used to say it like something about you do this you do the same thing over again and expect oh yeah einstein it's insanity insanity. it's insanity that's the definition of insanity and like that a little bit is kind of what the event industry is in this like constant hamster wheel of producing and doing and this and that. So nobody ever takes time to reflect on what the changes need to be to Mm. be better. And, you know, being creative is relative to a lot of people because to your point, like I wouldn't have considered myself a creative person or creative director probably three years ago, literally. It took me to change the way that I think and how I approach each client, each project to be like, oh, I, I am a creative person. I do have this in me. I do want to flex this muscle more to do things differently because 
if the answer is I want to do it that way because that's how it's always been done, then like you're not my client yeah. or you are not the right fit for me because that will catch up with us at some point. You know, like as a as a society, like it, that it already is, right? Like look what the fuck 2020 did to all of us. It unpacked a lot of problems that have existed for yep. years that need to be fixed and they can't be fixed by doing them the same way we've yeah. done them. End of story. Um and that it, it definitely is what I do in event planning and um I know you too with changing what that means and how it looks so that you can continue to to push the envelope in what creativity means. And obviously in our world, that means growing budgets. That means more trust. That means new products, new services. It means building custom installations and custom things that you can't. It's so hard to sell someone that they can't sell some someone on something that they can't necessarily see. And what, what we're truly doing in events is creating experiences so that it is original and it is authentic yeah. and it is so unique to that customer. And that's, what's really important, I think in our business. And that's where the people at the top of this market should get hired and should be paid for because we're not just checking things off right. the list. And I'm not just pulling a, a website from the knot or wherever the fuck and putting a budget together. Like anyone can do that. And that is not where my skill set lies. Um, and for people that, that want that service and want to push that envelope and want their ex their expectations are very high for their events and their product. And they understand that it is about telling a story and relating that back to the personal connection, whether it's to their guests, to their consumers, to their employees, whatever that connection is that you're searching for. And I think coming out of the pandemic more than ever, when live events do go back, I mean, even these virtual events, right? Like, how do we connect with people? Well, mm. shit, it's not it's not that easy because you're missing that that human yeah. element of being yep. there. Yeah. And the minute that we get the go ahead and things do start kind of going back to whatever our new normal is going to be, it's going to be wild. Yeah. I really do believe it's that. Be gangbusters. So. Yeah. Well, Molly, thank you so much for taking the time to kind of hang out with us, chat about creativity in the events industry and what that looks like. Um, we're ready for a, a, a favorite segment uh, of of the podcast. And and to be honest, I don't know if it's a favorite segment by any of our uh, It's really our hard to tell. But it's a favorite segment of Byron and I. Yeah. So that's why I get to say on the podcast, it's a favorite segment. You got dang right. It is. Yeah. So what's getting ready to happen is I'm going to rapid fire quick. Fire at you some okay. questions. Top of the dome. Cool. I have not. Have I given you these? Like a magician, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> What's your name? What's your name? Molly? Molly. Okay, Molly. Have you seen these questions before? I have you not. have not. Okay, wonderful. Sure then I would like to welcome you. Byron, are you ready? Yeah, I'm are ready. You, are you ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. Here we go. Byron. Byron. Okay, he's ready. Molly, I would like to welcome you to Quickly Creative. <laughs> Quickly creative. Yes, let's go. Molly, we don't have a You just you just did two banjos, bro. Dueling banjos. Molly, we don't yet have a theme song for this part, so um, every time it's and at this point we never can it's, it's, we can never it's new. have a theme it's song. new so i went i went appalachian uh today um uh, has you. no connection to anything we've been talking about but it was just, it, it was it was in my spirit it was in mine demani are you ready <laughs> no, you are not. you can do this like the little guy at the Price is Right, where he like climbs up the side of the mountain, and then he just falls that's exactly off. That's exactly what just happened. That's like yes. Oh my god! Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, here we go. Um, okay, compose. That was so. It awesome. really was. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't know what to say. So if it was awesome or awful. It was so it was, good. That was so aw. That was so awesome. It was so good. Anyway, here we go. You ready, Molly? I'm ready. Intimate experience or massive blowout? Mm, massive blowout. Sequins or glitter? Sequins. Favorite piece of glass that you own? Ooh. 
custom hand blown glasses from my husband and I's very first vacation in the Cayman so Islands. Specific. That was super specific. Note or text? Text, text or call? Mm, depends on who you That's are. Fair. Crystal or glass? Crystal. Business book or trashy novel? Trashy novel. Ah, no. Business book, actually. All right, all right. Yeah. Color guard or cheerleaders? Color guard, easy. (laughs) I know that was that was that was a gimme. That was a gimme. Uh, What are you reading or watching right now? Uh, Thanks to you, I'm watching Abstract on Netflix, which I'm all in on. Very, very fun. So. And last question: Day on the beach or night on the town? Down the beach. Okay, but let's. I, I ended this question here for a reason. So you you like the beach, but what's a what's a weird random fact about you in the beach? I hate salt water. I will not. I don't like the ocean. I will dip my toe in it. I like to look at. It. I'm more of like an infinity pool that looks over the ocean kind of <laughs> girl. Not even the beach. Not- <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it looks over a beach. Molly, I'm, I'm, I am I confused. Like this is really confusing to me. You, you just you said so. You like the look of the beach. You like the sound of the beach. Maybe the you like sand the temperature. Temperature, temperature of the beach. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. You just as long as, as, long as it's seventy five degrees. Seventy five degrees. Remember? Yeah, it's got to be. You just don't like yeah. beaches. I don't like salt water. Which so if it was like a freshwater beach, you'd be all for it. Yeah, but a, then it'd be like a lake, and then it'd be ugly. But so. so, so again, here we are. Don't, we, you don't. don't like beaches? I don't. I like. Got it. At you beaches. like the idea of beaches, and that because like, absolutely. Yeah, no. She, I get it. I get it, Molly. I get it. Like, like when I saw that on your on your questionnaire, I was like, "The fuck does that even mean?" <laughs> what do you? I don't like. Well, I don't like beaches. Why do we go to Mexico all the time and you hate salt water and oceans? I'm like, because this is so here. strange. <laughs> this is like, this is actually very similar to my relationship with Cinnabon. So you walking down, okay. you walking yeah, down, right. just, just here. You are like you going to, no, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm walking down, like, you know, let's say a terminal, right? Or in a mall or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There is no better smell in the world than a Cinnabon smell. Not one and then i go and buy one and every time i'm like this is so sweet this is ridiculous this is stupid it's gooey it's like a big old i got some mound of sugar why am i eating this so dumb i got something for you i got something for you and they won't always do it they won't always do it here's i got something for you it's not cinnabon it's auntie ann's pretzel which i I, no no you don't have to tell me i'm all no 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 no. No, hold up i'm about to put you on i'm about to put you on but i'm pretty sure we're gonna end the podcast Okay. But to end the podcast with this, because this is super relevant to what we've been talking all about. Right. Auntie Anne's, it's not at all. It's not relevant at all. But I'm I'm leaving people with some knowledge. I'm dropping knowledge dropping on people. Bomb. Okay. Auntie Anne's, get the pretzel nuggets, but get a mixture. Get the get the get the salt and then get them tossed in cinnamon sugar. And they will tell you that they can't do this. But they can, they just don't want to. Okay. And what you can say is always, I had this dude come by here yesterday, or I came by here yesterday and they did it for me yesterday. But the cinnamon sugar and salt tossed is straight fire. Okay. I'm going to try You're it. welcome. I'm going to try it. Straight fire. You did tell me Not something. I thought you were about to tell me, get the nuggets and then just dip them in the, in the, in the, uh, come on. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't, that's I don't bring I mean, that that's easy. Cash, it. And the icing and the Cinnabon icing. You got to get both. Ooh, actually, and then get the actually, actually, if you did some salty, okay, we're gonna end this podcast, folks. Yo, Molly, before we before we depart, this is the time where you get to brag on yourself. Mm-hmm. So, do that. Go you. We have a website. Check us out, popparties.com. If you want something creative and fun, we're your we're your team, we're your girls. And thank you guys for having me. I've I've loved exploring this, and it's one of my favorite favorite things is you know blending really the the creative parts of our business and still the technical know how to produce them so that it, it really is incredible on event day for whoever's hired us. So pop bottles. I'm about to go pop one right now, folks. Thank you so much. What are you going to drink? Byron? Um, I just got a new bottle of Josh. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cab. Cab. Going to cab it up. Mm-hmm. All right. Cab it up. All right. I, uh, what are you going to drink, Molly? Um, it's taco night in my house, so I am going to go home to. It's taco night. night. I yeah. smell it from inside my closet right now. So excited. It's taco Thursdays, y'all. It's taco. Wait, no, that's not a thing. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast today, Molly. It is, as always, a pleasure to hang out with you. Byron, it is at least a uh, tolerable uh, endurement that we have uh, every week. So That's not a word. I guess, thank you. It's not a word. It is now. It is now because it is on a podcast. Uh, Thank you again for hanging out with us, Molly. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for helping people understand a little bit more about this crazy industry that we have found ourselves in. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Um, I awesome. am what? 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 You're what? Awesome, Molly. Oh, you wanted to? I'm just saying, Molly's awesome. Can I? Can I? Can I say that? Come on, Damani. Let's I mean, go. You can. Molly, okay, you on, are awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We absolutely love. Please make sure that you subscribe, you rate, you comment. No, seriously though, but comment. I really, we we, we really would love if you would comment because we want to know what you love and quite frankly, what you don't love about the podcast. So let us know, put us on if there are things that you would like to see that we're not doing. If there are people that you would like us to talk to that we don't know about, we only know what we know. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. As always, y'all stay dope. Stay dope. Casually Creative was produced by Heather Daniel of SweetRebel.com. Its intro and outro music were composed by Ezekiel Daniel and produced by Marcus Reddick and Dean Talbert. Feel free to check us out online at www.casuallycreative.co. Everyone living is a type of creative. Everyone's got a limit they can create. Some people code them for some people is If you can see it in your mind, you can make it.